capital, D.C. And uh, besides uh, being the seat of our national government, the, the capital area is a place of memorials. Uh, we, we saw the uh, memorial to Presidents Washington, uh, Jefferson, and Lincoln. Those are the most prominent ones. There are others to Eisenhower, FDR, uh, MLK, and there was even one to Albert Einstein in front of the uh, science uh, building. And of course, there were the, uh, the other memorials to World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. So it, it's a city of memorials, uh, and memorials are extremely important to the history and, and even to the future of our country. And I was, I was especially encouraged when and one, one of the evenings, the early evenings, we saw hundreds of students uh, wandering around the area with their chaperones and they're visiting these memorials and they'd, they'd follow their guides in small groups uh, who would uh, gather the groups together and they would explain uh, the meaning behind these uh, memorials. But there was one memorial in particular that stood out to me and I was able to uh, listen in uh, to the interpreter. It was the, the Vietnam Women's Memorial. It's a, uh, a life-size statue. It depicts uh, three nurses and a, a wounded soldier. And I, I listened as the guide explained to the students the meaning behind the details of the statue, uh, which, which centered on the, uh, the emotions uh, that were going on, the compassion, the anxiety, their, their fatigue, and, and above all, the nurse's dedication. And, and at the base of the statue, there are the, the ever-present sandbags. I mean, you can't look at uh, pictures of Vietnam without seeing the sandbags. And the, the nurse sitting on the sandbags with a, a wounded soldier in her lap, and on her face, a look of care and of hope because he's living, he's alive. And then the, the bandage covering the soldier's eyes, uh, keeping him anonymous so as, as to represent all the soldiers. And then there's another nurse next to them and she's looking to the sky for help. And you know, maybe for a medevac copter, but I, I'd like to think that she was uh, looking to the Lord for help at that time. And then there's the nurse kneeling on the ground and she's staring at an empty helmet, and, and her posture is reflecting her despair, her frustrations, and, and all the horrors of war. So memorials are very important to us. You know, whether it's a small a gravestone in, a, in the local cemetery, or a statue, or a plaque in the town green, or a, a 550-foot obelisk, you know, which is the Washington Monument. Memorials are intended to cause us to remember some important event or, or some important person. And that's what we'll read about in this morning's passage. Chapter 4 describes a simple memorial of stones intended to cause the people uh, to remember what God had done on their behalf. But, but just like the, the Vietnam Women's Memorial, many memorials are of most value when they are explained. Uh, when, when someone takes you aside and describes why the memorial is there, and what the meaning is behind it. So when I read chapter 4, I want you to notice the emphasis not just on the memorials, but, but to whom uh, the people are to explain the memorials to. It's the children. It's the next generation. So let's read chapter 4. And again, it's uh, on page 180 in your pew Bible. 
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each one of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan, and when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. For people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel has passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, just as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he also dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Praise God for his word. So we haven't, we haven't quite crossed the Jordan River yet. We're in the process, and there's just a few more things that need to get done. Just as the last of the people are crossing over, God gives Joshua some instructions, which Joshua then relays to the people. 
Now, if you recall back in chapter 3, verse 12, Joshua had chosen 12 men already, uh, one man from each tribe, and now we find out uh, what their job's going to be. And again, Joshua tells the 12 men, uh, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each one of you a stone on, upon his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of, peop of Israel. Why? That this may be a sign. This may be a memorial among you. And, and here God gives very specific instructions as to the purpose of the memorial. And the reason is when your children ask in time to come, when they ask, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them. Well, tell them what? That the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And when it passed over the, the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off when the ark passed over. And so the stones shall be a memorial uh, to the people of Israel forever. So God's word here is not going to let us overlook the significance of this event. You know, first of all, as verse 19 explained, the day of the crossing was exactly 40 years after Israel had begun to prepare uh, for going out of Egypt by setting uh, apart the Passover lamb. We find that in Exodus uh, 12, which, which that event marked the beginning of their redemption uh, out of Israel, I mean out of Egypt. So, so with the crossing of the Jordan, God in a sense had completed uh, the people's uh, redemption. Just 40 years before, Israel was a people of slaves. But now Israel is a nation of heirs, uh, inheriting the promised land that's on the other side of the Jordan. And secondly, this whole, this whole event was an act of worship uh, on the part of the people. The many mentions of the presence of the Lord uh, by way of the Ark of the Covenant won't let us forget this either. It's an act of worship. The event was an act of worship in that the people obeyed God. And in faith, they acted on His words uh, with the added dimension of being in the presence of God through the ark. And every day, we're uh, presented with opportunities to worship the Lord through obeying Him and, and acting on His word. In fact, our whole lives as followers of Christ should be marked by worshiping God through obedience and through, and through faith. You know, worship doesn't just happen in church. And we can recall Paul's ex exhortation in Romans 12 where he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of His saving grace, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Third, the memorial isn't a tribute to the Israelite achievement of crossing over the river, but it's a tribute to God. God alone is deserving of worship because it was by His mighty power and it was by His gracious love that He delivered His people, just like at the Exodus. And the memorial will be a constant reminder of what the Lord does or has done for His people. And again, so it is for us. As Christ's followers, we've been given two memorials in the Lord's table and in baptism. We call them ordinances. Both in their own way serve as memorials to the mighty power of God and to His gracious love. 
Uh, baptism points particularly to our union with Christ, especially in His death and in, in His resurrection. The Lord's Supper points especially to the cross of Christ, the redeeming and sacrificial death of Christ for sinners. So again, the, the memorial would mark the significance of the uh, Jordan River event, which through God's providence occurred 40, days, uh, 40 years to the day after the start of the people's redemption out of Egypt. The event was also an act of worship on the part of the people as they obeyed God and acted on His words. And, and the 12 memorial stones were a tribute to God, not the Israelites. It's a tribute to God through, uh, who through His mighty power and gracious love uh, delivered His people. And then finally, as the text mentions, the memorials were to be for the generations to follow, the children. As Joshua said in verses 5 and 6, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in times to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them. Joshua repeats the, uh, the reason for the memorial in verses 21-24. through 24 when he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Let your children know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which He dried up for us, so that all the people's of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And as, as we all know, children are naturally curious and they, they ask lots of questions. So you, so you can just imagine, you know, many years after the, the crossing of the Jordan, you know, Mr. Joe Israelite is taking his family to the Jordan River uh, Memorial National Park and, and they walk to the water and, they, and the children see the large pile of stones there. And then the children ask, you know, Daddy, what do these stones mean? And, and the dad explains the whole event and, and teaches them about their God and how God delivered them and, and, and fulfilled His promise of uh, the people entering the promised land. And again, the application for us is obvious here. Uh, earlier I mentioned baptism as a memorial. In a few weeks, as Eric said, we're going to be having a baptism down at the lake. And what a great opportunity this is for parents or grandparents to teach the children how the gospel, how the good news of Jesus Christ is represented uh, through baptism. What a great opportunity to invite friends or family uh, uh, members uh, for the same reason. I mean, you can explain that this, this person who's being baptized has trusted Christ alone as their Lord and Savior. I mean, as Eric said, immersion in the water symbolizes the end of the, the old way of life. And coming up out of the water uh, symbolizes the new life found in Christ. The person who was previously dead in sin has been made spiritually alive by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And with this union with Christ, the believer is freed freed from the power of sin in order to obey God with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaks to this life change as putting on new clothes. He says in Galatians 3.27, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Amen? 
And that baptism is a, is a beautiful picture of that. It identifies a person as a disciple of Christ and celebrates that passage from the old life into the new life in Christ or with Christ. And it's done publicly. It's done publicly and it is a great witness to the world of how Christ radically transforms a person through faith in Him. So back to the question, what do these stones mean? You know, I want you to notice in these verses that, that Joshua describes in detail the answer that should be given. I mean, in our culture, we don't often like answers uh, being given to us, never mind the questions. In our, our fallen nature, we want to dictate uh, both the questions that are important and we want to dictate the answers that please us. But God's Word uh, challenges us in this. Uh, ultimately, God's Word tells us what the important questions are. And the answer to the question, what does it mean, what does it mean isn't whatever you think it means. It isn't whatever you want it to mean. It isn't whatever you feel it to mean. And while that's uh, become a common answer in some circles, it isn't a biblical answer. And it isn't the answer that we're given in God's Word. The stones at the edge of the Jordan mean something. As Christians holding to a biblical worldview, one that begins with God. Uh, God in His holy majesty and who, who has power over His creation. We recognize that when God intervenes in this world, which is His world, He intervenes with a purpose. He always has a reason. So Joshua says the answer to the question the children are going to ask, what do these stones mean, is that God dried up the river Jordan before you until you had crossed over. In the same way, God dried up the Red Sea when He rescued the people of Egypt. And God enabled the people to cross the river of Jordan. So the people of God are to tell the children uh, what God has done and the uniqueness of this event. And of course, through that, who God is. And again, it's interesting that in verse 19, the day is mentioned. The Jordan crossing was 40 years to the day that the Passover was established. So God not only performed this mighty deed, He performed this mighty deed at just the right time. Even at a time when the river was in flood mode, according to chapter 3. And then as soon as the people passed, the waters came back in God's timing. Again, uh, notice in verse 18 where it says, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks just as before and just as God determined. So God gives the question, God gives the answer, and God gives the reason for these memorials. God, in His sovereignty, brings His people to places and points in their lives where the only possibility of salvation, the only possibility for victory or triumph is if He provides it. And how many of us can, can uh, provide testimonies to that? Where we've been brought to a place in our lives where only God could have seen it through. Amen? Amen. I know I can. And how many times do we see the odds so dramatically stacked against us that the only chance of rescue is that when God Himself does it. And that's why Joshua is one of my favorite books. 
Uh, I think Joshua could be subtitled, God's Got This. God's Got This. I know I've seen bumper stickers to that effect. That's another reason why it's so great to hear people's testimonies. People's testimonies of, of God working in their lives is so encouraging. And God, God leaves His people across the river at just such a time that there is no way of crossing the river unless God Himself gets them across. Throughout Scripture, it's times like these that the people of God will sing uh, just as in uh, Psalm 121, where it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Amen? Amen. And when this happens, when the only chance of rescue is if God Himself does it, all the glory goes to God, the One who is due all the glory. Yes, the, the people are obedient, but God is the power behind it. And it's no different for us today. God saves and calls His people to obedience. God acts to stir up faith and obedience in His people, and He calls us to remember. Our, our faithful God stirs up the faith within us. Now, for example, if you go back a few verses to 11 and 13, we see the two and a half tribes faithfully keeping their promise to the other tribes. Where they, they go across... Uh, at the end, and the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh pass over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them, as they had promised. Uh, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. So again, chapter 1 describes that vow that they had made uh, where they would receive the portion of the promised land east of the Jordan and the men of valor uh, would pass over armed. And, uh, and it says, until the Lord gives you rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. So they honor their promise that they had made. But if God was not faithful to his word, if God did not do what he said he was going to do, those guys aren't going anywhere. Those guys aren't going into the promised land armed for battle if God didn't do what He said He was going to do. But instead, they cross over and they're ready for war. And their, their, their tribes are contributing to the memorial confidently knowing that God will be with them in the days ahead. In the days ahead. Praise God. Uh, just before I was born, my parents moved to Arizona uh, with my three older siblings. My dad had an army friend there and he had a good job waiting for him. Uh, for a lot of reasons, including the, uh, the heat, uh, they came back to Massachusetts. And when they got back, it was near Christmas and, and my dad was having a hard time finding work. Uh, money uh, was short and they were, they were having a hard time. But just days before Christmas, some some friends came by and surprised them with a, with a small Christmas tree, some ornaments, uh, some food, and, and even some gifts for my uh, brothers and sister. And after that, every year when we decorated the Christmas tree, my mom would take out these two ornaments. And we would, uh, my sister and I would say, Mom, tell us about the story behind these ornaments. And she would tell us the story behind them and how the, the, the whole family was provided for that Christmas season. And memorials 
are important to us. Uh, they're, they're especially important in helping us to remember uh, who God is and, and what He's done. But, but not only for His people. They're important for all of humanity. We, we see this clearly in the final verse. His purpose, God's purpose, represented by the memorials that all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And, and that's always been God's purpose. That all the peoples of the earth might know Him. That they might trust Him. That they might be reconciled to Him. As, as people living on this side of the cross, we can look to the cross and the empty tomb also as memorials. And, and we can say, since God provided a Savior in His Son Jesus Christ and sacrificed Him on my behalf, paying for my sins, taking the punishment that I deserved, will He not also finish the job and save me if I put my faith in Him? Well, yes. And can't, if, if God did all that, can't I also trust Him with every other aspect of my life? My, my relationships, my finances, my job, my plans, my future. And, and if God did all those things, can't I also trust Him when I'm afraid, uh, when I'm hurt, when I'm lonely, when I'm confused, when I'm depressed or, or discouraged or, or even needing forgiveness? Well, well, the answer is yes, we can trust Him. And that's, that's your God. He loves you. And, and if, you're, if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in Christ, if you haven't believed in Him for your salvation, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, all the peoples of the earth, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world, all the peoples of the world, might be saved through Him, through faith in Him. If that's not true for you this morning, I would encourage you, before you leave, to look around. Look around you and you'll see dozens of living memorials, living memorials to the power of salvation in, uh, of God and salvation in our lives. Uh, each one of us who have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior is a living memorial, a testimony to what Christ has done in our lives. And, and, and we'd be happy to share that with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God.